everybody. I am your host, Lisa Kay, and I'm here with my amazing partner, Jennifer Conkey. What up, Jen? Hey, guys. How are you? Brad! And then, you guys, we have an amazing guest for you today, Brad Hart. So Brad is incredible. He's an entrepreneur, 20 years experience. We're going to just jump right in and have Brad tell you a little bit more about himself. But you guys definitely want to tune in for this episode to hear about a whole lot of heart and also how to move your business forward and make that cash. So two things that we're very focused on here on Business and Bliss. Have a good time while you're doing it. So without further ado, Brad, I'm going to turn it over to you. Tell us a little bit more about you, how you got started, and about your business. Thank you so much, and I'm so grateful to be here. Thank you so much, Lisa. Thank you so much, Jen. Uh, welcome all the business and bliss list, uh, business and bliss listeners. I got to say that a few times before I get it right. Uh, I am so grateful to be here. My name is Brad Hart. I am an entrepreneur. I've been an entrepreneur since I was 12 years old, and I'll just start out with the story of how that happened because it's kind of fun. Uh, I was actually born on Long Island and my dad, when I was about two years old, was in a truck accident. He was coming down a hill, he was um, driving a lumber truck and the load shifted and pinned him to the steering wheel, which rendered him unable to walk for about six months. So he's crawling around in a mechanics creeper and doing all kinds of really cool art projects like this one that was like a velvet board that you put pins in and wrap twine around to make like peacocks and really cool stuff like that. Uh, and he eventually got a uh, surgery so he could walk again, but he's never not in pain again. So my whole childhood after mom left to go find work was mostly me taking care of the household. So it's up to me to wash the dishes and take out the trash and mow the lawn. And one day I'm mowing the lawn and I'm about halfway through and the mower just craps out. And I'm like, okay. And we were living on social security and disability checks at the time. That's probably about 12, 12 years old at this point. And I knew that we didn't have money to fix the mower. So I went to my neighbor's house. And I'm like, hey, can we borrow your mower to finish mowing my lawn? And then also, will you pay me 20 bucks to mow your lawn too? So inadvertently, they said yes, and I mowed their lawn. Inadvertently, I had found a qualified interested lead. I had made a sale and I had delivered value, which is really the only three things that entrepreneurs need to be able to do in order to start a business, right? And you know, since age 12, I started to kind of have little side businesses all throughout my career. I had a lot of jobs too, you know, worked at shooting ranges, but I always went for the jobs where I could make extra money. Like the first time I got a $20 tip at the shooting range, I was like so blown away. I'm like, what do you do for a living? And this guy was a, a mechanic and owned a Midas shop. And I'm like, can I come to your job and just like see what you do? Like, I don't understand. How does this work? Like you own a business, but you don't own the, the label and the branding. And I didn't understand like franchise. I'm asking all these questions. Just kind of, it kind of went from there. And for the, my whole life, it was like, okay, we don't have a lot of money. How can I make more money? So I always went for the best and biggest jobs. And by the time I was like 20, I was making 100K a year as a bartender in New York City um, because that was what I focused on. I, I, I'd always gone after the biggest dollar jobs. And I was an EMT and I was a, you know, a shooting range instructor. I worked my way up for that. And I eventually got into real estate, which is a very entrepreneurial job. So long story short, um, I think I was always meant to be an entrepreneur, even when I was working for other people. I always kind of felt that pull and that call. And I really got into business for real. Um, let's say back in 2010, I incorporated my first company. Uh, I've run two companies that have hit the million dollar mark at this point. One was a hedge fund that did really well. Uh, another was a marketing agency that we sold on Amazon. Uh, and I sold my share in that. And now I'm working on, on my third company, which is Make More Marbles. I've had a lot of failures over the years, too. Um, my third successful company, which uh, I think will cross the million-dollar mark this year, which is really exciting. Brad, that is cool. And the statement you just made, this, right? Like, the statement he just made, I've had a lot of failures. And my third successful company. Mm -hmm. So, dude, so you have three that are clearly a hit. 
How many more did you have that weren't a hit? Because people oh, out there that are feeling, they're like, I don't know where to go, you know? Yeah, yeah. Tell so I, I always tell my clients, like, if you can't fail in two weeks, then then maybe you do with the business, right? Uh, so really make a concerted effort to fail as quickly as possible. And the way I try to fail the fastest is I go out and I tell everybody about my idea and I ask them to give me money. And I don't like say, oh, I have this product that you can have today. I say like, I have this product idea or I have this service idea and it's just like Kickstarter. Like you go out and you say, hey, this is what I want to build. Is Would you find this valuable or not? And if they say yes, okay, great. Then I tell them more about it. And if, you know, the 30 seconds, I buy five minutes. If five minutes buys a sale, you know, now I'm off to the races. I do that 10, 20 times. All of a sudden I have this group. And it's a lot easier once you have momentum and you have a list and you have people mm -hmm. that used to buying your products and services, but every single thing I launched and I probably launched a hundred things over the years. I don't know. Um, you know, it always starts as an idea. And then I go to my list and I say, Hey, I'm thinking of doing this and I'll talk to people for like 15 minute increments and see how many I can sell. And if we have a pile of cash and it's like, okay, well there's obviously demand for this. Let's go ahead and build it. Um, and I communicate the whole way. It's like, okay, you're going to get more access to me in the beginning as I build the thing. You're going to get more feedback on the process and iterative uh, process of building the thing. And you're going to get it cheaper than everybody else will. Because eventually I'm going to charge this, but right now I'm going to only charge this. And it's usually about half. So these are ways you can just get cash in the door very quickly. And by the way, I didn't say go form an LLC. I didn't say go, you know, get your business cards. I didn't say go on the internet and make sure your SEO is right. I said, go and talk to people, tell them your idea and see if they will pay you money for it. If that doesn't happen, do not pass go, do not collect $200 do not start that business because guess what? You don't have any clients or customers. And the sole reason that businesses exist are to add value to clients and customers in a form of a product or a service. And if you can't get to that point where you have that, that first little hit of traction, forget about it. Just go on to the next idea. Yeah. The idea tracker in and of itself is so huge because, and a lot of people get caught up on that, especially the folks who are like really into perfection. Like, oh, I got to get the perfect website and I got to get my branding and I got to do all of these things to get it right. But they don't know if what they're actually going to provide is going to go anywhere. And it's, it's like a big thing where people are failing on that right now. Mm -hmm. So, okay. So it sounds like you do the, I'm going to just have an idea, run with it, see what happens. At what point do you sit down and make a plan, Brad? Or, or, yeah. or do <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm very extroverted. I just want to like, you know, I'm not saying that this particular strategy would work for everybody. That's another thing that I'm always like, find people who are similar to you and your skill sets and your talents to take advice from, because they're going to give you great advice regardless. I don't think people like, you know, give you bad advice. They give you great advice that work for them. But if you're different, like t Tony Robbins and Warren Buffett are both rich. But if Warren Buffett tried to get rich Tony Robbins way and, Ro and Tony Robbins tried to get rich Warren Buffett's way, they would both fail. Mm -hmm. Right really got to pay attention to who you're, who you're listening to, what books you're reading, because they need to be more like you. Not that you can't glean insights from others, other types of entrepreneurs, but there's really like eight different types of entrepreneurs and they break down into four categories. They're good at ideas, they're good at people, they're good at timing, they're good at numbers. I'm really great with people, so I stay there, that's my lane. And so other people can come up with an idea and, and like a, a complete vacuum without any input and it's a great idea. That's never been me. I have to talk to people and like get the feedback and kind of go through the bumps and bruises before the idea really fleshes out. And when I know I've talked to like 100, 200 people, you know, I'm still iterating my ideas from like a year ago that I'm sold, I've sold hundreds of thousands of dollars worth because I know 
that there's still more tweaks to be made. And it's just, that was the one little thing. It's like, now I'm just looking for those little two millimeter shifts that are going to get us, uh, you know, cheaper acquisitions or, or better clients overall or a better customer experience or whatever it is. And I'm always on the lookout for that. It's not so much, you know, that you do it once and you're done. It's, it's an ongoing process. Mm-hmm. Sure. So tell us about make more marbles. Is that the one that the third one that's on its way to a million? Yeah. So make more marbles. Um, when I was running my hedge funds, I was very successful monetarily and I have three rules now, which are help a lot of people have a lot of fun and make a lot of money. I borrowed them from a mentor of mine, Dave Meltzer. And at that time in my life, when I was 26 and I made a million dollars in a month, uh, between my partners and I, I was like, wow, okay. Money's never going to do it. Right. I was never going to be happy. I just felt so burned out at that moment. I'm like, so what is going to do it? And I, it was set me on this journey and I realized like, okay, well maybe it's what I've been doing because it's, you know, real estate and finance are both industries where it's like, you know, there's, there's only so much to go around. It's a zero sum game, right? If you're in a real estate transaction, there's only so many dollars in a real estate transaction and you have to negotiate and, and grab for those. Uh, same thing with a trade, you know, there's a winner and a loser. So I'm like, it's kind of like the hungry, hungry hippos. We're kind of like grabbing for all the marbles. What if we just made more marbles? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, make more marbles. That's actually kind of a cool name. I like the alliteration. I like the, you know, the cute animals. I'm really into penguins and polar bears. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, one of my things. So I was like, yeah, this is a cool idea. What if I wrote about this? So my goal was like, let me start a blog and reach a million people. And I have no idea how long that'll take, but that was, you know, the original vision. And it took me like three years and I realized, oh my God, I've, I've had my stuff read like a million times. Back in April of this year with our partnership with Tony Robbins and launching their new product, biggest launch of all time, our company actually reached a million people in a month, which is really exciting. So you know, it doesn't start out that way, but yeah. the exponential curve is real. If you can add up 1% every day, you think, oh, 1%, that's not a lot. Mm-hmm. But if you compound in a year, that's 3,778%, right? So wherever you're at now, if you're willing to commit for a year, two years, three years, it just gets faster and faster and faster. And 1% becomes very significant. So I'd, I'm always looking for those 1% little gains. Yeah, it's like that flywheel example or the big, uh, fair, you know, that, that thing that makes it like spins in the water and it moves stuff. What am I talking about? Not a Ferris wheel. You know, the one that's like a flywheel, a flywheel. And you like, you push it. And like, when you first push it, it's like really hard, but then like it gains momentum and then pretty yeah, soon. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I think like I know around. That's what I'm talking about. I There's feel like we need one of those guys like Jamie on Joe Rogan is like, go Google that, figure out what I'm talking about. Yeah, go, go find out what I'm talking about right now, please. Cause I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? But like the momentum and once it's going, you're just like, yeah, okay, cool. It's going. And yeah, but the momentum is what most entrepreneurs struggle with. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. And there's such a thing. I also learned this from Dave, uh, a zero sum or uh, a zero or, or quantum zero. That's what it is. So there's this idea of like, as you're gaining momentum in life and you take a day and you just do nothing, right. And you can make no momentum. You make negative momentum on your goals. You like stop, you hit zero. But if you consistently are moving forward towards your goal day after day after day, because guess what? The universe doesn't care if it's Sunday. That's a man-made concept. Your body doesn't care if it's Sunday. You still got to help take care of yourself. You still got to work out. If you lose momentum on your goals for even a day, it's like losing a week or two weeks or 10 weeks of momentum that you had before. So just that consistency of moving forward, even when you don't feel like it, even if it's a small move forward, will keep you in that, that momentum and, and the momentum piles up. And I really feel like the more you stay in momentum, the less struggles you'll have. Because I I think the ups and downs are what kills entrepreneurs. But that steady momentum is consistent and sustainable. Sure. The law of inertia is huge. So Brad, with that, talk to us about balance. Talk to us about, you know, what do you do in those moments in between? 
Like how do you, how do you find that balance so that you, you know, are keeping your cup full enough to keep the momentum going? Well, I'll use this weekend. That's a great question. I'll use this weekend as an example. Like I got on my bike and I'm like, I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to go to LA. And to most people that might seem like screwing off, but for me, it's like, I'm going to go visit all my contacts in Los Angeles and develop those relationships further. Right. I met a ton of great people at Burning Man. They're in LA. I, I met a great girl about four weeks ago. She's, you know, in Fullerton, which is close to LA. So like by taking a weekend off, packing a bag and getting up there, now I'm allowing myself to be guided towards new experiences, a couple of parties, reconnect with some people I hadn't seen in a long time. Most of it was just kind of serendipitous and beautiful, you know, that I wouldn't have otherwise. So I'm making momentum and there's business opportunity there. And there's people that need help up there. And I'll inevitably make money and business connections and deals out of it, uh, even though it's not me sitting in my office grinding away. Like, it doesn't have to look like sitting right. in your office grinding away, like, you know, McScrooge or whatever at two in the morning, like counting my gold coins. <laughs> <laughs> you could just speak in that voice the rest of the show. You got that it. Really make my, my day. If, if I can get the Scrooge McDuck vault, I'll do it. Wow. Okay. I'll speak like a duck. Oh, It'll be fun. Okay. I'll just go diving. Why doesn't he get a concussion when he dives into the gold coins? Does anybody know? Right? Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. This I is get a concussion doing jujitsu. Just... This guy can just dive into a vat of gold coins. It's totally fine. And there he goes. He's gonna walk around and do jumping jacks now. He's pumped. There pumped. You go. <laughs> okay. So for my next question, um, I want you talked about failure at the beginning of the show, and I'm a firm believer that failure traumas, tragedies, all of those things are actually happening for us, not to us. Um, I want to hear about what is a, a failure that you learned the most from and what was that that you learned? Yeah, I'll just start by saying I think failure is great. Failure is God telling you, no, not this, try something else. So you don't waste a bunch of your precious time, energy, and attention on stuff that doesn't work because God knows, right? God knows what works, what doesn't. Yeah. Created the laws of the universe. It's just she telling you like, hey, go ahead and you know, try something different or, or just tweak it a little bit or learn from this and then get it right this time. Mm -hmm. uh, so my favorite failures are the big, massive ones that make me shift a lot of things. Like mm -hmm. my last company, um, I had a lot of trauma that was unresolved that came to the surface mm -hmm. and actually ended up unraveling a lot of the relationships around that. So I ended up moving out of that company and focused on something new, which was way more profitable, way more fun and way more in my flow and skill set than that ever was going to be. Yeah. And I just did my taxes from last year. And even though it was like a really low year and a hard year last year, I still increased my income by 20% year over year, thankfully, because I got the hell out of that and did something different. Now it's going to, it's probably set to double or triple this year, which is really exciting. So had that not happened, I wouldn't have this happening now. Um, even though that was painful at the time, I was so grateful for it afterwards. Yeah. Brad, you talk about, um, it sounds like a little bit of the influence, the things that influence you. What are your influence inputs and what advice do you have for others that are grinding it out in the entrepreneurial space? How do they keep their mindset right? How do you? Yeah. 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 Um, well, Jen, you and I have both done NLP training now. And it's a funny thing about life is like, there's things that you know, and there's things that you know that you don't know. Uh, like, you know, that you can tie your shoes, you know, that you can brush your teeth you know, you know how to do that. Yeah. You know, you don't know how to like fly a plane. You're not going to accidentally jump on a plane and be like, Hey, can I, Oh wait, no, I forgot. I don't know how to fly a plane. Uh, you know, that's just not something you would do. Right? right. So those two sets of information are probably like a small sliver of all the things you possibly could, know, right. In all the universe, what you don't know that you don't know 
could fill up the entire rest of the universe and probably does. So I always tell people like, how do you, um, you know, how do you figure out what you don't know that you don't know? And oops, sorry, what was the question? I just want to make sure I actually nail it. <laughs> I love it. I'm, catch I love it. <laughs> I, I'm catching myself losing the question through the preframe, but I knew it was. You want to important. know what's really funny is I already, you put me in a trance, dude. You put me in a trance. I already forgot the question. No, I'm just yeah, kidding. Yeah. How do you maintain a proper mindset right. and how do you monitor your influence inputs? So what I didn't know that I didn't know is I had a lot of stuff under the surface that was uh, subtly influencing me, like a lot of childhood trauma and a lot of anger issues uh, that I had stories about, like, I'm not the angry guy my dad was. I'm not the alcoholic my dad was, right? I broke that cycle. I'm good there. That's a recipe for disaster. They call it white knuckle sobriety, you know, when you're, when you're trying to do it on your own. Um, so by doing NLP training and recognizing that, oh, crap, there's still a lot of stuff here. And now having that yard sale effect, which is essentially your subconscious mind be like, hey, bro, so you're having a yard sale. Can I throw my shit on your lawn? You know, can I sell my stuff? You haven't talked about this in 20 years. Why don't we rehash that? And now having all these traumas to work through and all this forgiveness to do and all these things I haven't thought about in two decades coming up to the surface to be released. I'm like, wow, I had no idea how much stuff, because your, your subconscious mind records everything throughout your life. I had no idea how much stuff was subtly influencing me. So I don't know that um, you can get away from that. I don't know that anybody can get through life without trauma uh, and, and stuff that just gets recorded on your stock record or whatever you want to call it. Uh, but getting rid of that stuff and, and releasing it is your responsibility, right? It's not your fault, but it is your responsibility to get rid of that. So you can come from a place of really creating from no triggers, from no baggage, from no, you know, I guess what the Scientologists would call going clear, although I don't take advice from L. Ron Hubbard, because uh, he doesn't have the life that I want. And I guess that's the point of that statement is like, you know, there's plenty of influential people out there. There's plenty of people you could be influenced by, including yourself. Don't allow yourself to be influenced or take a lot of stock in or put a lot of weight on advice from people who don't have the life that you want. Look oh for gosh. people who have the life that you want and then take advice from them. Uh, and ideally people that have your skill sets and have created that life in the way that you could as well. Back to my previous advice, which is, you know, you can try to mirror Elon Musk, but if you're not that creator type or you're Richard Branson type, you know, or whatever, that, that big ideas guy, uh, you're probably going to struggle as well by trying to follow their advice. Okay. Um, I have to just go back and say what you said again you know, don't try and emulate or don't take a lot of, put a lot of weight. I'm not saying as eloquently as you, Brad, but don't put a lot of weight into people who don't live the life the way you want to live it. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. I just got uh, thrown off by was that breast spray. I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah this is zinc spray. Okay. So okay. it's for immunity and yeah, stuff. Yeah. So I like that. Okay. For all getting, yeah. uh, uh, gut bacteria and zinc. Those are two big things. Uh, Brad is also, um, using zinc spray right now, which is amazing. Okay. But I want to go back to, you said, you know, don't put a lot of weight into people who aren't living the life you want to live. I just want to clarify that doesn't have to be the big people that can also be the small people, right? There totally. are small people, quote unquote. I mean, there can be people in your life around you who aren't famous or who aren't anything other than someone that you're putting a lot of weight into their opinion or how they're doing things or how they view you or what they say, about sure. you and let's stop that because they're not living the life you want to leave so why would you process their opinion yeah. but to go back to what you're saying a lot of that subconsciously from upbringing business associates whatever it may be right where we internalize that 
Mm. I just wanted to go back and call that out. I think that's a huge point to, to move forward. Put weight into the, the opinion and the lifestyle and the influence of the people who are living the way you want to live, who have the heart you're aiming to have, who have the mindset you're aiming to have and so yeah. forth. Sure. Yeah, they're making the impact you want to make. I mean, I think, you know, why would you take advice on money from a broke person? Most of our parents were broke if we're first generation entrepreneurs or just above broke, which is a job, just yeah. over broke. Yeah. So why are we taking their money advice? I don't understand. Like find mentors that, you know, or, or influencer models, whatever you want to call them, uh, that have the lifestyle and the results that you want in your own life and then start following them. Period. Yeah. Brad, at the end of your life, when you look back on it, you look on the entire journey, what is it that you want to see? Like, how do you want to have been? What impact do you want to have made? Thank you, Jen. That's a great question. Um, when I look back on my life, I have some very clear goals around shifting economics. So like, let's just preface this by saying, Feudalism was at one time the best economic system and the one that everybody adhered to in Western Europe. It was cutting edge at, the, uh, at its time and eventually it wasn't, right? Eventually mercantilism and, and you know, industrialism and capitalism came around and now capitalism is kind of, or let's say like postmodern end stage capitalism is kind of where we're at now, is the best system, but it won't be forever. And we're, we're living in this delusion that it's going to be this forever and that it's going to be only this forever. And I don't know what's coming next, but I know that it'll shift again. It has to, right? It just yeah. will. Um, so I think the next big evolution is technological and it's going to be in the form of automation, robotics, AI. A lot of the menial things that we do that, to, to work and fill meaning in our lives are going to go away or no longer become opportunities. And right now, I look out at a landscape where most people, 80-90% of people spend 80-90% of their time on four categories, on food, utility, shelter, and education, just getting their basics covered. So I came up with a little acronym. I call it lighting the fuse. How many people can we get out of uh, just paying attention to food, utility, shelter, and education and get them into a creative mode, get them into a place where they can contribute at a higher level? Like when you go to Burning Man, for example, I'm not going to use that too many times, but uh, it's, it's, it's prescient in my mind in the sense of like you go into a place that's entirely unhospitable. It's 100 degrees during the day and 30 degrees at night. It's trying to kill you. It wants everything to be dead. That's the playa. It's a dust storm waiting to happen. Just a little bit of and it, and it all goes crazy. Um, but somehow 80,000 people build a city and tear it down inside of 10 days. And it's fully functioning, even has mail. You can send postcards at Burning Man. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's so rad. Like the concept, it's, I so rad. it's such a big bucket item for me to do. And, I, and yeah. Yeah. And they do it with a lot of money and a lot of unsustainability. And there's a lot of problems with it. I'm not saying it's perfect, but it's a really cool example of how when you just take away that idea of like, let's spend money for everything and let's have an economy, how, and, you know, and, and your basics are met, how wow. humans can really thrive and build incredible art and just be really rad to each other even for a short period of time. So I just want to extrapolate that to the larger society. What if, you know, like internet, like cell phones, they're getting so cheap to the point now where like, if you want one, you can pretty much afford one. Like if you, mm -hmm. if you put your mind to it, what if food, utility, shelter, and education, the four big ones were, were that cheap, you know, where we could afford them if we needed them. And there weren't 80%, 90% of our time. We had so much more time to focus on bigger things and contributing at a higher level. That's where I really start to get excited about the future of humanity. So uh, my life's goal, if I look back, would be to uh, light the fuse for as many people as possible. Yeah. That's awesome.
That's an amazing goal. I right. I need to put more thought into my goal now because that one's pretty that one's pretty amazing. I mean, um, take take three to five years, tweak it a hundred times, and then there you go, uh, right? <laughs> oh, build a city in Burning Man. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing, right? We're always tweaking our vision. I mean, I'm sure six months from now, you know, your vision of that will have evolved at some point. And I think yeah. for all of us on this call, we're always evolving, which is a good. Right. So. Awesome. Yeah. And I love doing interviews, hundreds of them. You can, you can watch them. I got a ton of them on my website. I've done a ton of them as my own as well on my podcast. But um, the one thing I've learned is that everything's a work in progress. And if you're not changing, like people like to, to yell at politicians all the time, like, oh, you, you're a flip-flopper. You changed your opinion on something. It's like, yeah, I got, it's called new information and I made a new choice, right? It's like, I made the choice that I made because I had the information I had at the time and then the whole landscape shifted. And now I made another choice. It's okay to make a new choice and yeah. don't beat yourself yeah, and up. That's what I say all the time, the journey is the destination. You will never arrive. You will never be as happy as you can be. You will never have all the money you want to have. You will never have, like, because you will always be evolving on this journey. Like the point yeah. is not arriving and just like sitting there with your hands on your knees one day and being done with life, right? Like the point is to accumulate joy and wealth and knowledge and all these experiences on the journey. Um, so that's amazing. Cool. Yeah. Brad, if any of our, if any of our listeners wanted to get in touch with you, how do they do it? How do we reach you? Yeah. So I have a couple of different sites going on. Uh, one thing I help people with is uh, building masterminds. So if you're interested in a higher leverage, uh, higher impact way to use your time to serve people, masterminds, workshops, group, you know, any kind of leverage group program is what we work on uh, at Make More Marbles, uh, specifically through our Build a Mastermind program. So you can go to either buildamastermind.com if you're interested in that, or if you just want to hear me ramble on the internet, you go to uh, makemoremarbles.com. We got a ton of great podcasts and blogs and and vlogs and all kinds of log type items that people produce on the internet that are on my website. Uh, so you can go there to make more marbles.com, buildmastermind.com. You can check me out on Facebook at facebook.com slash Brad Hart. That's one word, E-R-A-D-H-A-R-T. And I'm happy to help if I can. You're awesome. So glad that you Hi. came on the show. Great. Thank Another you. great show, Brad. This has been amazing. Wow. Yeah. Thank you both. Lisa, Jen, yeah. I'm so grateful to be here. Thanks everybody for listening. If you listen this far, you get a cookie. Here's an internet cookie for being here. I really appreciate it. <laughs> right on. You guys have a good one. Bye everybody. Bye, everyone. Until next time.